Let's take your Bibles and go to the book of Zephaniah. Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah. <clears throat> I was debating how to uh, um, split this, these last few verses up. I decided to <clears throat> split it up into three different messages. So 9 to 10, and then next time 11 to 13, and then last 14 through 20. So I think it ends up being n- not nine weeks. So I'm, ax- I'm adding a week, so sorry. Um, I just was just thinking through verses 9 and 10 and just the, what this is teaching us. Um, I, I thought, no, we need to just hang out here for just a little bit and then look at 11 through 13 and then we can uh, jump into 14 through 20 and, and finish off Zephaniah. So that's the plan. So we'll see if that sticks. <laughs> Zephaniah chapter 3 Verses 9 and 10, just two verses this morning, page 668, uh, and that black Bible in the chair in front of you, 668. Zephaniah 3, verse 9 and 10, says this, and this is Yahweh speaking, for then I will give or change to the people's purified lips that all of them may call on the name of Yahweh to serve him shoulder to shoulder. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, my dispersed ones, will bring my offerings. It was the battle of Helm's Deep and Tolkien's second book, The Two Towers, and the trilogy, The Lord of the Rings. It was that battle of Helm's Deep, and in contrast to the movie, The elves did not come to their aid. It was just the men underneath Theoden. Their end was near. They would all be killed. The orcs, Hirkai, were there. But as a valiant, last valiant effort, Aragorn and Theoden rode out with Theoden's men behind him and they blew the horns of Helm's Deep and it ricocheted off and fear came upon the orcs and they were pushing, pushing down upon those orcs in Erechai. And then he came. Gandalf was there. It was Gandalf. Hope had come. I think it was Aromir and Aragorn were having a conversation. Aragorn was talking about how We must hang on to hope. And hope had come. They were all saved. Many orcs fled in fear and others were slaughtered. And so you see this principle. When all seemed lost and in total despair, hope comes. And that's what you see from our passage today. In this case from our text, There's so much despair. I mean, starting in chapter 1, verse 2, I will completely remove all from the face of the earth, declares Yahweh. Judgment. Judgment. The day of the Lord. Seek Yahweh. Here comes his judgment upon the nations. Here comes his judgment upon Judah. When all seemed, there was total despair and lost. 
then comes grace. Grace breaks in. Seek Yahweh, the God of judgment and discipline, salvation and blessing, who gives us, us, his grace. Us meaning Gentiles. I don't think there's any Jews in here. Facente's half Jew, but none of that. No, there's, yeah. there's, no, there's no Jewish people in here. We're not Jews. We're Gentiles. He gives us his grace. This, these two verses are talking about worldwide conversion by God's grace. He gives us his grace. God gives grace not just to Judah, but to Gentiles, to us. What is grace? Grace means undeserved favor, unmerited favor. That's what grace means. You didn't deserve it. You didn't do anything to merit it. That's why it's called grace. It's undeserved. It's unmerited. It's the favor of God. Uh, a, dove, a different expression of the love of God. So when things look bleak, God's gracious salvation and blessing breaks in and he saves people from all over the world. That's what these two verses are about. This is exciting news. God does not leave us separated from him, us meaning Gentiles. He does not leave us separated from him, or even his people for that matter, Judah. He brings us near by the blood of Christ who broke down the wall. Christ broke down the wall. We'll look at that in a moment. He broke down the wall. He came to our aid. He showed us his grace. We'll see it transforms us so we'll be a people who worship him. Grace, God's grace. You know, this principle where all seemed lost in total despair, but then hope comes in, grace comes in, salvation comes, this is seen in Jesus. It's a scene at the cross. It looked bleak for him. Total defeat. Like complete failure, without hope, this guy is hanging on this cross. This is not victory. Oh, no, it is. It's a victory. It's success. Because when Jesus was raised from the dead, God's salvation and blessing was sealed in Christ Jesus. God shows his grace ultimately in Christ our Lord. So, starting in chapter 3, verse 9, the, the rest of chapter 3, it relays future events where Yahweh would bring worldwide conversion and restore his people to their land. So there's, by way of reminder, I'll talk about this in just a few moments, there's this initial fulfillment and then greater fulfillment So God is righteous, he's just and holy, we've seen that. But he's also loving and, and compassionate and gracious. He would show it to Judah, he would show it to the whole world. A, a huge 
shocking turn of events happens here. Just turns. A totally brand new thing would take place and it would be fulfilled initially and then later on in the future fully in a greater way. And what is this thing that was uh, fulfilled? Numerous Gentiles are saved. Numerous Gentiles are saved. Yahweh is not only a God of judgment and discipline, but also salvation, restoration, vindication, blessing, grace. He loves to give grace. He's a generous God. As Moses told us, wrote it down for us, when Yahweh appeared to him, he saw his back, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in covenant love, forgiving thousands. That's the first thing that Yahweh says about himself. He loves to give grace. Yahweh would bring his salvation to Judah and all the nations of the world. He's a God of judgment and grace. Showing his grace to the nations of the world, none of us deserve it. No one. So as again, as I said this a few moments ago, this, this looks forward, not merely to what would happen after Jesus' resurrection in the church where, where Jews and Gentiles would become one. We're gonna look at that in a few moments. But it also looks into the future at the millennial kingdom when the nations of the world would come and worship Yahweh. So you have this initial fulfillment and then a greater fulfillment in the future. Zephaniah just sees this happening in the future. He didn't see that there was this initial and then later. He didn't see that. He just sees it poof, all at the same time. The day of the Lord would bring the destruction of the heavens and the earth by the fire of God's wrath. We've seen that, but it's also a prelude to the millennial kingdom and the new heavens and the new earth. So again, just by way of reference, you know, we, chapter one, verse two of, of Zephaniah, he'll remove all from the face of the earth. Chapter one, verse 14, near is the great day of Yahweh, near quickly, listen, the day of Yahweh. Chapter two, verse four, Gaza abandoned, desolation driven out, uprooted. Uh, chapter three, verse one, woe to her, the rebellious, defiled, tyrannical city. Chapter 3, verse 8. <clears throat> For all the earth will be devire, devoured by the fire of my zeal. Things looked bleak. Judah was rebellious, defiling, tyrannical. The nations were wicked. People refused to repent. Yahweh would judge them and bring his judgment upon all the nations. And then at this dark hour... Yahweh gives grace, verse nine. For then I will give to the people's purified lips. The word here give literally means turn or turn around or turning away, transformation even. Total change. So this indicates a huge radical change. The people needed a radical change of heart in order to worship Yahweh and that's where God's grace breaks in. 
for then I will change. I, I will transform. They need a radical change of heart to worship Yahweh in the way he intended and the way he declared he would break in to bring his long-awaited redemption. Yahweh loves to show his righteousness, but especially his grace. He showed favor by transforming this people, and notice it says, transform to the people's purified lips. Pure. So this outward purity is a result of this change, of this transformation. So as grace comes in, there's a change. He punished the nations and his people as a way to purify them, and thus he would purify their lips, having changed their hearts. And notice, purify lips, the word lips. It reminds us of something. It reminds us of the Tower of Babel. There in Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9, Yahweh created many languages as an act of judgment. Since humanity, collectively and in unison, they rebelled against their creator because what did they want to do? They wanted to make a name for themselves. But now these peoples, notice the word peoples, after this purifying judgment discipline, the same nations that were addressed above, experiencing his hand of anger, would now experience his salvation. They would work in unison, not to go against and rebel against the Lord, but to worship the Lord. You're gonna see that in a moment. God's work of redemption would impact the Gentile nations. They would be saved. That's why we sang that song, May the Peoples Praise You coincides perfectly with this. So Yahweh gives grace. We actually saw one result, actually. The result is a purified lips. But notice it says here from the text, in order that all of them may call on the name of Yahweh to serve him shoulder to shoulder, what are the results now of God's grace? Result number one, people worship Yahweh. Verse 9, in order that all of them may call on the name of Yahweh. At the inauguration of the age to come, which happened at Pentecost, Yahweh would bring one language again so that in unison all the peoples of the earth would worship and praise his name, making much of his name instead of themselves. Pride would be replaced with humility. Because notice he says that all of them may call on the name of Yahweh. This radical, amazing, God-wrought change, grace, would bring about a huge result. They would all call upon the name of Yahweh. To call upon him means to worship him and depend on him. That's what it means. So all may call on the name of Yahweh. Every nation, tribe, people, and language would stand before the throne. Those from every nation, from every tribe, from every people and language would sing, worthy is the lamb who was slain. This may 
This verse may come to your mind from Revelation chapter 5, verse 9. Revelation chapter 5, verse 9 says, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy are you to take the book and to break its seals, for you were slain and purchased for God with your blood from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. Excuse me, you made them a kingdom and priest to our God and they will reign upon the earth. This is what this looks forward to. It looks forward to this. They would acknowledge that what Yahweh had revealed about himself and how the people needed to depend upon Yahweh. So they'd give reverence, humble worship of Yahweh, the true God. That's the first result of this change, this transformation. As they have these purified lips, they're going to give worship, going to give praise and show their dependence upon the one whom they are rebelling against. All the nations live according to God's word and will. They all come to worship and serve Yahweh. A vast amount of people from all the nations of the world, from every tribe, tongue, people, nation. So the first result, people worship Yahweh. Second result, people serve Yahweh in unison. Look again, verse nine. To serve him shoulder to shoulder. People serve Yahweh in unison. What we see here is that they would be united in their love and devotion to the Lord. They would all serve him together in unanimity. Gentiles would worship, Gentiles would serve Yahweh alongside of Israel. As one writer put it, with one voice, shoulder to shoulder, so that there would be one people of God united in their love and worship and serving Yahweh alone. And this is what God has done in us today. He gave us His grace. That's why we gather together. We gather together to celebrate His grace to us in Christ. We're so thankful He's been so gracious to us. We're amazed that he would show us this undeserved favor. So what's the results of his grace, this transforming grace, where he gives them these purified lips, purifies them. People worship Yahweh, people serve Yahweh in unison, and third one, there's only three from the text. People thank Yahweh. They thank him, look at verse 10. From beyond the rivers of Ethiopia, my worshipers, the daughter of my dispersed ones, literally, will bring my offerings. Look at this. Even people far beyond Cush or Ethiopia will be part of God's gracious work of salvation. That's what this means. When Zephaniah says this, he's talking about nations from far beyond Ethiopia, from, from far reaches of the earth. This represents those from distant lands. So from the far reaches of the earth, Yahweh would call from Gentiles those to be his people. So there would be one people of God. Notice he says, my worshipers. 
They would bring Yahweh their offerings, worshiping and honoring him alone, offerings of thanks. They would pray only to Yahweh. They would depend only on Yahweh. They would worship Yahweh alone and they would give thanks to Yahweh alone. They would express deep gratitude to Yahweh. So thankful that he's shown them his grace. Notice he says, my dispersed ones, literally the daughter of my dispersed ones. Listen, these are God's people scattered throughout the world. That's what this means. This is what Jesus meant when he said he had other sheep not of this fold. John chapter 10, Jesus says this, 10, 16. And I have other sheep which are not of this fold, I must bring them also and they shall hear my voice and they shall become one flock, one shepherd. He's talking about Gentiles. So Zephaniah is looking forward to this with Gentiles. They're gonna become my worshipers, these dispersed ones scattered throughout the world, God's people. They're gonna come and give thanks to Yahweh. That's the result of his grace. And this prophecy about redemption reaching the Gentiles, this is spoken about elsewhere in the Old Testament. <clears throat> and we're gonna look at some of these. So get your Bible handy. This prophecy about redemption reaching the Gentiles is spoken about elsewhere in the Old Testament. <clears throat> we read from Isaiah chapter two together. So that's one verse. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 11, <clears throat> verse nine. <clears throat> Isaiah 11, verse nine. They will not hurt or destroy in all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Isaiah chapter 19. <clears throat> Isaiah chapter 19, verse 23. Isaiah nineteen twenty three. In that day there will be a highway from Egypt to Assyria, and the Assyrians will come into Egypt, and the Egyptians into Assyria, and the Egyptians will worship with the Assyrians. In that day, Israel will be the third <clears throat> with Egypt and Assyria, a blessing in the midst of the earth, whom Yahweh of hosts has blessed, saying, Blessed is Egypt, my people, and Assyria, the work of my hands, and Israel, my inheritance. Look at that, you see? There's a connection, the salvation coming to all to all the different peoples of the world. Uh, Isaiah chapter 49. Isaiah chapter 49. 49, five and six. And now says Yahweh, who formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob back to him, or that Israel might be gathered to him, for I'm honored in the sight of Yahweh, and my God is my strength, he says, it is too small a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved ones of Israel. I will also make you a light of the nation so that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. This is what it's talking about. This, this salvation that comes to the Gentiles. Jeremiah chapter 31. <clears throat> Jeremiah 31. Another place is spoken about. Jeremiah 31, verse six. 
For there shall be a day when watchmen on the hills of Ephraim shall call out, Arise, let us go to Zion, to the Lord our God. Micah chapter 4. This is very similar to what we read in Isaiah chapter 2. Micah chapter 4. Starting in verse 1. It will come about in the last days that the mountain of the house of Yahweh will be established as the chief of the mountains and be raised above the hills and the peoples will stream to it. And many nations will come and say, come, let us go up to the mountain of Yahweh and to the house of the God of Jacob that he may teach us about his ways that we may walk in his paths. For from Zion will go forth the law, even the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. And it continues on, verse three and four. This is the salvation that comes to the Gentiles. And last, one more that I have up there for you, Zechariah chapter 14, verse 16. Zechariah, not Zephaniah. Zechariah 14, 16. Then will come about any who are left of all the nations that went against Jerusalem will go up from year to year to worship the king, Yahweh of hosts, and to celebrate the Feast of Booths. This was the mystery. It's spoken about here throughout the Old Testament that the Gentiles would come in, the Gentiles would be saved, but it was a mystery. Paul talks about this. We're going to look at it in a few moments. This was a mystery. It, it, it was told Gentiles would be saved, but, but how they would be saved was a mystery. But notice what Paul tells us in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, verse 4, 5, and 6. He says, by, and by referring to this, when you read, you can understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. <clears throat> which in other generations was not made known to the sons of men, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets in the Spirit. What's the mystery? That the Gentiles are fellow heirs and fellow members of the body and fellow partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. It's through the gospel, through Christ. We're made one. We're part of this. So so we can see how this passage in Zephaniah, chapter three, verse nine and 10, how an initial fulfillment took place started in Acts 10 up to today. Because Paul says, again in Ephesians, he says in chapter 2, verse 14, verse 13, in Christ Jesus you who were formerly far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made both one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall by abolishing in his flesh the enmity, the law of commands and ordinances, that in himself he might make the two into one new man, establishing peace, and might reconcile them both in one body to God through the cross, by it having put to death the enmity. In verse 18, for through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. This is what Zephaniah was talking about, this initial fulfillment. The Gentiles, a vast number of Gentiles have come into the kingdom. And there's, by the way, there's a hardening of the Jews, of Israel, to the gospel. You ever try talking to a Jew about Christ, their own Messiah? 
They want nothing to do with it. Most. A vast number of Gentiles have come into the kingdom of God abolishing this division between Jew and Gentile. So now there's one people of God. Obedient to Yahweh God. Giving thanks to Him. United as one because of who Jesus is and what He has done. God was so gracious by sending His Son. He should have condemned us. He came, Jesus came, he died, he rose. The call then is to repent and trust Christ. If you're here, you don't know Christ, or listening to this message, come, and he'll save you. That's the gospel. And that's why we gather, because we're so thankful that God has shown us his grace. And, and yet, this also looks forward to the day, in the future, when the great and final fulfillment of the day of the Lord will take place and Yahweh would bring salvation to not just Jews but Gentiles and these nations would flood in and, and give thanks to Yahweh. It's looking forward to this in the millennial kingdom. So it's, it's both initial fulfillment and then future fulfillment. It's doing both. They would all be united as one people of God worshiping Jesus our Lord. It's all grace. It's all because of his grace. God is righteous, just, and holy, yes. But he's also loving, compassionate. He's gracious. He will show it to Judah. He will show it to the whole world. He brings us near by the blood of Christ who broke down the dividing wall This is exciting news. This is wonderful news for us. We were at one time separated from God. And he brings us near by Christ. He does not leave us separated. We're brought near by the blood of Christ. So when things looked bleak, God's gracious salvation and blessing breaks in and he saves people from all over the world. That's why we gather together. We we gather together to celebrate that God has shown us grace. And then what what happens is we, we say he's shown us his grace so we should show each other that same grace, right? That's why the body of Christ, we we're ministering and caring for one another, putting behind our own preferences and, and ministry and showing grace to each other. And then we, we, we speak this grace to this world. We say, come and experience God's grace like we've experienced His grace. This is the outcomes for us. God gives grace not just to Judah, but the Gentiles, to you. He's giving you grace. Aren't you so thankful? Let's thank him. Stop and we thank you, Jesus. Father, Spirit, so thankful for your grace. Your grace transforms us. So be a response of worshiping you, serving you, thanking you. Because we were not worshiping you. We were definitely not serving you And we definitely were not thanking you. We worshiped ourselves. We served ourselves. We thanked ourselves. That's been replaced. It's been changed. It's been 
transformed by your grace. We're so thankful. Take this time, if you would, just these few moments to thank Jesus, the Father, the Spirit. Thank Him that they've shown you grace. Tell God you're so thankful you've shown grace. And you know you don't deserve it. I mean, look at your past week. Our sin is ever before us. <clears throat> and yet His grace pours out on you. The more we sin, the more He pours out His grace. So take these few moments and relish in the grace of the gospel, filling your mind with this great truth of God's grace. Would you do that now?